The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. All right, let's find hymn number 100 and sing one more song together. Let's stand and sing, Jesus is all the world to me, all the stanzas together here. And uh, Jesus is all the world to me, hymn number 100. It's good to come to church and sing about my friend. 
You can be seated, and uh, as you're turning to 1 Samuel chapter number 7, uh, we're going to look over, um, kind of do an overview again in this biblical literacy as we overview. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, you can be turning there. Out of the track rack out here at the main doors is this uh, track, Good News, and we got a, a, a fresh shipment of them. And the Good News track is really great. If you're taking somebody through the gospel, it breaks it down into three points, the problem of sin, the penalty of sin, and the payment for sin, and brings to a decision. So you could legitimately just walk through a track like this. What's nice about this one, we went ahead and had them customized on the back, so it also has all our service information and um, our website information right here on the back. And so it's, it's a great tr gospel track, but as well has all of our information. So I'd encourage you to have those on hand and uh, carry them with you, and we have um, plenty of them to do that. And so we want to keep on passing out gospel tracks everywhere that we go and stay on top of that, and you never know who will come to the Lord through that. And so uh, trust his word not to return void. 2 Samuel chapter 7, I think I said first, 2 Samuel chapter number 7 and verse number 7. Uh, and what we're going to be looking at here tonight is an overview, but I want to just make a point from this passage of Scripture. And uh, this is, when, this is uh, the passage when uh, David said, hey, I want to build a house for the Lord. I want to build a temple. And I, I don't want him to have to dwell in tent. I want him to have a nice place to, um, for his glory to dwell in. And that was a good thing. Don't you agree with that? It was a good thing. It was a good, uh, uh, good heart on the side of David to do that. And uh, he wanted to. And so initially, Nathan says, yeah, uh, but when he, when he talked to the Lord, you remember how uh, the Lord said, no, you're going to need to talk to him about this. I'm not going to have him do it. I'll have his son do it. And do you remember the reason why? What was that? He was a man of war. So God, God was going to have Solomon, his son, do this, who wouldn't be in that same position, uh, to build this, um, to build this uh, temple for the Lord. And it was interesting how that God used David and allowed David to prepare and really set Solomon up for success. But what I want you to look at here, uh, and uh, in verse number, uh, verse number uh, 15, 15, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I put away, from, uh, away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. You know what God was reminding David is this. Listen, I'm going to have your son do this, but I want you to know that your kingdom, there's always going to be someone on your throne. Your kingdom is going to be protected. I will take care of you. My promise to you is still Still good. Now, we remember David had his ups and downs, right? David had uh, some severe sins. I think about the sin of adultery and the sin of murder, and we think about how he did that, and you read through that. Maybe if you've gone through that in the 90-day challenge, you've gone through that, on that part on, in the not-so-distant past, and you realize, like, David, what are you doing? How could you do something so awful? But yet God kept his promise to David, and uh, that promise is still yet uh, even to be uh, fully uh, uh, fulfilled and, and, and rolled out. And so as we think about that, it kind of sets me up for what God is doing through the books of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicle. God remains faithful all the way through, all the way through these books. 
despite the faithlessness and the, and the, the wickedness of his people and the wickedness of different kings that he set in place and they had the opportunity. Remember, these kings were supposed to, one of the laws of these kings was they were to take the word of God and they were to write out their own copy of the word of God. Did you know that? They were, and that was part of the way that God was also preserving his word to all generations. That was one of the ways that, that he did multiple, multiple copies. But they were to do that. Why? Do you know what happens when you write down the word of God? It gets into your mind. It gets into your mind. Some people do uh, scripture journaling. My wife does a lot of scripture journaling, uh, has encouraged others to do that. I, I started trying to get back into uh, at least writing a verse a day that sticks out to me in, in, in my uh, devotional journal. Uh, it's, it, it, it gets into your mind. But these guys had to write, uh, write it down. They were supposed to. I'm, I'm sure many of them did not. Um, but why? Because God wanted it to be in their hearts so they could lead in a wise way. How many of them did not? We'll see that tonight. But I want you to know all the way through, God keeps his promise to David. So let's just take a moment for review, and I'll, I'll run over where we've been so far. Genesis, God has shown himself as a covenant God. He's faithful despite the fall of humanity, despite man's sin. Exodus is all about redemption as God brings his people out of the land of Egypt through mighty plagues and shows his power and shows his ability to lead them. And uh, though they were, though they were uh, unfaithful to him, he was faithful to them and gave them a substitution, substitution that was seen at the Passover when they, they killed the, the lamb coming, uh, before they came out of Egypt and put the blood of the lamb around the, the doorpost. And when he said, if I see the blood, uh, I will pass over you. And, uh, and we see how that through the blood they were redeemed. And that's a beautiful picture. Leviticus is all about holiness the mediation of God, uh, the priest in between God and, and man, uh, typifying what Jesus would be for us, that one mediator between God and man, and sacrifice, God's sacrificial love and sacrificial worship back to God. Numbers is all about God's faithfulness, his faithfulness and patience despite our failures. All those wanderings through the wilderness, and God was faithful to them, fed them, fed them over and over with angel food, not angel, food, uh, angel uh, cake or whatever that is, but angel food. Uh, he, he fed them, gave them meat, he took care of their clothes, and God was faithful to them. Deuteronomy is all about loving obedience, only possible from a new heart. That's what God promised would happen uh, when Jesus came and he would give us a new heart, but it, it was all about loving obedience. That's what God wants. He doesn't want rote obedience. Well, I have to. He wants loving obedience. Joshua Joshua, God's, uh, God is ultimate leader, promise keeper, uh, and, and present hope for those that he saves. And, and he was showing uh, that victory was possible through, uh, through him and that he was always going to be there for them if they would keep their trust in him. What is the thing that, that God told Joshua? He said, fear not, Joshua. Why? Because I am with you. I'm with you. He's a present help, a present hope for those Judges, uh, broken saviors, these people that were to, uh, to, uh, set up by God to deliver his people out of sin, out of bondage, that they got there because of their sin, all sorts of broken judges. And time and time again, them uh, doing things that they, they should not have done. Think about Samson and all the brokenness in his life. Yet God, through it all, continues to show, uh, uh, show his grace and, and, and that there's hope and deliverance in God when you return back to him. Ruth is all about hope and love. 
and how that Ruth gets put in the line of Jesus Christ and God calling out even out of foreign lands a people for his own name is so beautiful what God has done. And that leads us to the book of Sam, uh, books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. So what's God doing here? Let's jump in. The books of Samuel is all about kingship, kingship both human and divine, and really the insufficiency of human kingship and the sufficiency of divine kingship. Now remember, Israel wanted a king, right? They thought they wanted a king. And why did they want a king? Can you, uh, can you remember? Because the other countries wanted or had kings. So here's, here's a good uh, principle for us to live, like, uh, live by. Uh, it's not going to be in our spiritual interests to desire what the world has, right? It's not going to help us out. God warned them, but God allowed it. And uh, sometimes we think, well, God's allowing this in my life. Certainly God's for it. Not all the time. Sometimes he allows us to go down our own path. And it certainly brought heartache into their lives. But also throughout the book of Samuel, we see God's protection over, over David. We see God's love outpoured over David. Through all of his mistakes, we see God's love poured out over him. In 1 Samuel, uh, really the events span about 110 years of, of time from the judges, right at the tail end of the judges, uh, remember, as, as, as Samuel comes on the scene, we open up and there's still judges uh, uh, there in the opening chapter of, uh, of Samuel, 1 Samuel. But Samuel's born in 1 Samuel, and we have the story of his life and the story of Saul as well, the first king of Israel. Israel becomes a unified nation. They're really a stronger nation for a, a brief time there. They, they have some military might that's going, uh, going on in that time. Uh, David is in his youth during this, this part of the book, and he has the confrontation between him and Goliath, and what a wonderful, marvelous victory that was, showing God's power through that young man, and really, uh, David, as a young man, his heart being totally towards God. Is it any wonder that God um, picked him to be a king? He had a heart towards, uh, towards God, a man after God's own heart. The Philistines rise during this time. Uh, Israel parades the ark. They use the ark kind of as a trophy, you know, as a, as a good luck charm, right? We have this. We have God on our side, even if we're doing what God didn't want us to do, uh, which is, is an interesting thing. Um, God opposes, opposes their pride. Um, they're defeated. <laughs> Philistines take the ark. Philistines have problems with the ark. You remember those? Stories? That's a fascinating story as that thing jumps from uh, all those different states and, whoa, the ark's coming our way. They sent this thing to kill us off. And you know, what they give back to the Israelites is a, as, a, as a peace offering, so to speak. But you know, uh, God's not Israel's trophy. God's not just to be paraded around as, you know, as a good luck charm on our lives, you know, just a, you know, kind of an emblem, a, you know, something we wear around our neck. Uh, I'm not against people wearing crosses, but you know, it's just something we wear around our neck. You know, just kind of give a token to God. Um, you know, sometimes we even have that in our own uh, Christianity where we get enamored with you know, different icons of Christianity, a, you know, a person, a personality, or you know, e even, even a symbol. You know, this is something I just kind of wear around. This, you know, I give, you know, God, God isn't just to be worn on in our lives. He, he is our life, as, as Colossians says. He is our life. He wants to be our whole life. And that's something that the Israelites didn't understand. They were just, you know, they would, uh, they would carry him around. Well, we're going to carry him in the battle. What happens? They were defeated. The, Israel, uh, the Philistines take the ark and all sorts of problems ensue. And when the ark comes back, we remember, they didn't even value the presence of God. 
They didn't obey, uh, obey how they were to interact with that. Do you remember how many people were killed that day? In that valley? I'm speaking off the top of my head, but I seem to remember about 50,000 people died that day because they looked at the ark. They looked inside. They didn't have a value for the presence of, uh, the presence of God. So uh, in, in chapters 1 through 7, that's all going on in chapters 1 through 7. Samuel's born. Uh, Israel, Israel's kind of pridefully going on their own way and uh, using God as a, as a trophy, kind of carrying them around, but they, uh, they don't have a true heart towards him. Chapters 8 through 31, Saul's, uh, Saul's rise and fall as a king. He started off really well, didn't he? Kind of hit himself in the stuff, and whether that was a, a false humility, if you want to say that, or a true humility before, before God, he started off well, but very, very quickly, things went south. You remember in, uh, in, in uh, chapter 15, when he doesn't obey God? He says, well, well we've kept this, uh, all these animals, the people kept these animals for sacrifice, they'll be good for sacrifice, and you know, this is a really great thing, and God, uh, Samuel says to him, to obey is better than sacrifice. And he also says, your rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And uh, Saul gets to the point where he even, he even stoops to going to a witch to get guidance. Uh, what an individual. What a quick rise and fall, all within 40 years. You know, something that's come to me uh, more recently, and we like God to get things done in our lives in a week's time, in five days' time, right? And you... Reading through the Bible, I'm realizing God is working. God is working in our lives over decades of time. And uh, I wish I would hurry up and learn the lessons, you know, and quicker and, get, and gain the experience quicker. But God's working in decades. There's perspective that Brother Morris has that God's worked out over decades. That that someday I'll catch up to you. <laughs> But it's, it's amazing, um, it's amazing how, how God is doing that. So in this time, in Saul's rise and fall, uh, God is working and cultivating David into the man that he needs, uh, he needs to be. In fact, much of the Psalms are written out of this time of him running from Saul. And that reminds us that even in adversity, even in the middle of David having a promise, you're going to be a, the king someday, but it isn't yours yet. Even in that time when he was kind of on the in the wilderness, running about, uh, it was during that time that God was doing his most significant work in his life. We think that in the midst of blessing is when God can do his work. That's when I can praise God through the tulips and in the sunshine. That's when God's doing the work. No, it's oftentimes in the very, very difficult times of our life that God is doing the work. And so God is working and humbling him uh, he isn't going to be an arrogant man when he steps to that throne. He has, had to, he has had to humble himself time and time and time again. But then we move on to 2 Samuel chapters 1 through 20. We find the, um, David's rise and fall. Uh, the, uh, there's, there's the kingdom. He has it. God is, God is blessing in the, those early days. But soon we have adultery, murder, repentance. Uh, the children of David, there's, there's a long term effect on on their lives and the bible talks about the sword never departing from david's family there was animosity between the siblings all sorts of, of problems we have absalom's rebellion to the point that absalom is is wooing the hearts of the people away from david right at the at the gate of the palace wooing the hearts of uh, of of the people and and he 
basically runs David out of town and has the, the reign of things and doing unspeakable wickedness. You know what happens? David ends a very broken man. He ends a broken man. You, go to the, you read the last chapters in David's life. It isn't really pretty. And even in the, the last chapter of, uh, of David's life, there's still some tension now between uh, Solomon and the other son, is it Adonijah, that was uh, seeking the throne at that point. And there's, some, and there's some tensions there. And certainly there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of unity even between David and, and Bathsheba. There were some tensions that were going on there, uh, her, uh, her lobbying for her son, uh, in different ways. And so it's, it's, very, it's very interesting. Uh, we come to chapter 21 through 24 and we find uh, what is, it could be said to be David's poetic memoirs, you know, kind of uh, uh, some reflections of David, kind of concluding uh, focus on the good and the bad of David's life and the hope for a future king that God has promised. Now, here's, uh, and we're going to have to end here in just a moment, and we'll end here and, and Samuel pick up the rest in the next couple of weeks. But what's interesting, it traces back to Hannah's prayer at the first part of Samuel, and, and it really focuses in on what God is going to do in bringing that final promised king through the, line of, uh, through the line of David, that eternal king. So 2 Samuel really looks at that, that eternal king that will come from David's lineage. And what I think we will be seeing as we've, as we've been going all the way through the Bible from Genesis to where we are right now, we see God's faithfulness over and over despite the failures of man. And why is that an important uh, message for us to get because you and I still fail, we struggle, we have our issues, but God remains faithful. He abideth faithful. And so here in 2 Samuel, God is constantly pushing them towards, hey, I have someone coming. It's Jesus Christ. Every book of the Bible is pointing towards Jesus Christ. Here he's coming, and he will be the eternal king, the perfect king. Still today, people look for the perfect king. Our country right now uh, still wants the perfect king. There's a side that, that, that thinks they have it. And there's a side that is looking back and saying that, that, that's a perfect king. But even in conservatism, we, we got to be careful. We got to be careful to remember there is only one perfect king. And uh, I'm reminded that in the midst of all this turmoil and the imperfections of these kings, God is still working. God is still working. So the events of 2 Samuel really span about 40 years over David's reign. Uh, the first 10 chapters uh, are really focusing on, on David establishing his kingdom, but chapter number 11 is where everything, everything shifts, where things go in a different direction. And what we find there is, is David's spiritual bankruptcy. You know, think about and I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a numerologist. I don't get into that, right? You know why? Because the, uh, because the chapters and verses were added in later on, okay? So I, I don't get into that. But you know, you think about chapter 11, a bankruptcy, but this might be a way for us to remember this. In 2 Kings chapter 11, everything changes for David, right? And in 1 Kings chapter 11, really everything changes for Solomon, there was a point where Solomon was going great guns. I mean, he was just, he was going down the, down the trail. He was blazing for God. But then everything changes. You know, the importance in our lives, we can start really well, 
but the importance of dealing with the dark side of our lives, the dark things within, the issues that, that are within. And we've talked about, as, as a church, dealing with whatever, whatever's between us and the Savior, whatever's between us and another person, whatever thing that we have to keep on stuffing down and saying, you know, I'll deal with that later or I want to take that to my grave. We have to be willing to deal with it. Otherwise, you have a chapter 11 that comes in, in life where things take a drastic change and people are like, whoa, what just happened, right? But no, it's, it's been cultivating just inside. And I, I know even in this, in this week, I've been sobered by some, uh, some news of, of people having that type of chapter 11 moment and, and it's like, whoa. You know, when you hear about someone having one of those moments, you know, if we had been alive in the time of, of David and had heard on the news that David sinned with Bathsheba, you know, there would be a couple of, how could he do that? Or there, there might be some sensitive people who'd say, you know what, but for the grace of God, there go I. Right? And, uh, and in those moments when there is, a, there's, there is someone who's in leadership or someone who is, um, that you respect, where there, there's, there's, a, mm, there's a chapter 11, it's a time to do some inward searching. Lord, what tendencies, what, what, what things am I allowing in my life right now that would bring that out? What am I saying no to you right now that would, would cause me in a year or five years from now to be in a very different place spiritually? And uh, I think that's, that's important for us to think about. David started in a wonderful way. He's the man after God's own heart. Deal with the dark side. Be humble before God. And that's something we cultivate in our hearts to God. That's not something we can put on. Every one of us has, has the ability to do every sin that David did, every sin that Solomon did, and that Saul did, and everyone else in human history. And just because we attend church, carry Bible, and, and so on, or have walked in, in a long way, um, it, it doesn't matter if we've been saved 50 years. And we, we need to be on guard and always taking personal inventory. Now, this verse struck me this morning as I was reading my personal devotions, and I, I thought it wove well here. Isaiah 66 and verse number 2. The tail end of the verse says, uh, To this man will I look. To this man will I look. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Remember what the Bible says in Matthew 6? It talks about those that are poor in spirit. They, they're the ones, I'm quoting, and correct me if I'm wrong if you remember, they shall see the kingdom of God, I believe is how it is. Those that are poor in spirit, we're not talking about they don't have any money. Their spirit before God is, I don't have anything to offer. I'm, I'm bankrupt before you and I know it. I haven't come to a moment where, where my actions have, you know, I, I've, I've fallen apart because I've, I've been acting like I got this all together. No, I, gotta, I know I'm in need. I'm in desperate need of you. So he says a contrite, that's, a, that's a, the idea of a broken spirit, just a, a, 
a spirit that is, is not in any way charged with pride. You know what static is, right? It, it doesn't have any charge of pride. It's not there. It is, it's contrite. And then notice, and trembleth at my word. And trembleth at my word. Is there not a, a lack of that in our own lives? A trembling? I, I was thinking about that. Lord, do I, do I tremble? Do I, do I stop at your word? Well, that's the person God looks to. So that's the type of person I want to be. I, and I, I know that that's your heart as well. David got into the mess he got into because at some point along the line, he, he stopped being poor, broken before the Lord, thought he had it, thought he was okay, and didn't tremble at the word of the Lord. And uh, we end there in, in, in 2 Samuel kind of on a, a sour note, a, a life whose potential seemed to fizzle out. We were, Miss Rebecca was over at the, uh, at the National Night Out blowing up the balloons, the, the balloon shapes the other night, and she was having to blow and blow and blow. We need to figure out a better way to blow up balloons, have them blown up ahead of time, poor lady. And she was blowing, and so uh, as things settled down, I was running the Plinko game, and as things settled down, I started blowing them up, and I, I took one of them off, and it just, all the air went out. It fizzled, right? Well, that was disappointing. And then I tried to blow that same one up again, and it popped. But you know what? It, it, a little bit like that, when, when David got to that point in his life, it's just like the potential just fizzled. Now, God still used him, and God remained faithful. God, we'll see that in the rest of Kings and also in Chronicles. God never left off. But if we're not careful, we can have that, that moment like David. We don't want to get to the last five years of our life and have that moment. I don't know when the last five years of our lives is. Yeah. So let's, let's just tuck that away in our heart, deal with the dark side and, um, and whatever that is. And whenever we deal with that in our lives, we will find the blessing of God. God is near. And... Uh, you, can't, you cannot be near to God. We cannot, I cannot be near to God unless we deal with sin. It is the only way. And, and so that sounds like a, a, a non-encouraging way to talk about on a Wednesday night. But believe me, that's the, it's the most encouraging thing. If we, if we just deal with what's inside. Um, and we can, we can certainly uh, find and know the blessing of God. And so we'll get on to the rest of those uh, as we get along. Please keep that that, uh, that document I gave you. In the back, there are three different uh, charts. One is a contrast between uh, Samuel, Kings, Samuel and Kings and then contrasting with Chronicles. That's kind of interesting. And then the other's a, 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 a listing of all the kings and how they died. That's kind of interesting. And then a timeline of these three books. So I hope that'll be a help to you. Next week, Lord willing, I'll show you a map of the, you know, the southern uh, southern, the divided kingdom, we'll get into that uh, stuff and kind of break down uh, how this all went, uh, how this all fell apart. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on us and as well to help us uh, to continue forward and being faithful to him. Father, I thank you tonight for this faithful group of people that have gathered together. And I believe in our hearts that none of us, none of us want um, to have the potential that you've given us fizzle 
I'm thankful that you show yourself as a very, very gracious, forgiving God. You're the God of the first, second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And you've demonstrated that even in the life of, of David. And Lord, you still, later on in the New Testament, you call him the man after your own heart. That's, that's just amazingly sweet. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we, we pray that you would help us uh, to take warnings from his life, take admonitions from his life, and, uh, and to be clear with you. Lord, help us not to get comfortable with any sin in our lives. For we know that'll, that'll bring problems and, and, and uh, a distancing, a, a strained relationship with you. So I pray here for my brothers and sisters in Christ as well as myself, Lord, that you would keep us humble before you and uh, our eyes on you. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may God bless you as you go out about this week, and I encourage you uh, to tuck these things in your heart, be witnessing, grab some of those tracks on your way out, and uh, let's continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.